Well, let's dive in. Uh, I'm actually going to wrap up Watch and Pray um, today, and then next week, as I said, going to go into voter ID, and uh, we'll be talking about that later. Um, in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, just hours, literally hours, before Jesus is going to be uh, brutally whipped, tortured, and crucified, he is in the garden praying. He has his disciples. He has three of them, especially nearby. And he is praying at a crucial time. Most people um, do a lot of other things when they should be praying, honestly. And we don't have to pray around the clock, but we need to know how to pray. Are you all here? And so um, he is about to deal. He's, He's literally an hour away from being arrested. He's just an hour away from them coming and taking him by force in the garden. And what he chooses to do is to pray. And he speaks to his disciples and he says, I want you to watch and pray. Everybody say that. Watch and pray. And let's pick up here in Matthew 26, verse 41. And Jesus said, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. How many of you know that's all true? Okay, now here's, here's what we have. We have, first of all, the reality. And the reality is the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. And that left by itself then leads us to the result of that. And the result of that is you will enter into temptation. That means you're going to end up wrong, wrong path, wrong place, doing the wrong thing, or going about the right thing the wrong way. But the remedy for all of this simply is this. Watch and Pray, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation because the spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. So Jesus said, watch and pray. It's both of those. If you just watch and you don't pray, you'll worry. If you watch and you don't pray, you'll worry. And if you pray and you don't watch, then you're just going to have kind of pointless, powerless prayers, okay? But he said to watch and pray. What did the disciples do? Neither. Neither. They slept. They were on their iPhones. They're texting. That's not true. Some of y'all are writing that in your notes. (laughs) But, um, and then when, then when the issue came, the crisis came, they came to the disciples came undone. They, they, they just came unglued. And Jesus carried himself in dignity, with poise, with wisdom. And he stayed on track. And he stayed on the plan of God. And the difference was he prayed, they slept. And so I want to look at some things regarding watching and praying here. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Everybody here? Colossians, how do you like how I take roll call? Just everybody here? Yeah, okay. Colossians 4.2, it says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant. What's that? Watchful. Being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. And Paul adds the concept of thanksgiving to watching and praying. In the Amplified Bible, it reads, be earnest and unwearied and steadfast. Listen to these words because all of these count. Be earnest and unwearied and steadfast in your prayer life. Did you know you're supposed to have a prayer life? Well, let me tell the rest of you. You're supposed to have a prayer life, which means it's part of your life. How many of you have a food life and a sleep life? 
and work life and pray life and family life and all those things. You're to have a prayer life. And I'll go back again. He says, be earnest and unwearied and steadfast in your prayer life. Being both alert and intent in your praying with thanksgiving. The way this is written in the Greek here, it denotes that there's an alertness. There's a focus to this. Get this. There is skill and concentration involved in prayer. Skill and concentration involved in prayer. These, this is praying centered and in, with intent and intense and fervent. It's not sleepy, sloppy, rambling, prayers of obligation, tepid, weak, vague, religious, powerless prayers. That's not, that's not what he's talking about. And hear this. When Jesus said, watch and pray, say it again, watch and pray. He's actually talking about a brand of prayer, an approach to prayer, an attitude, a perspective that we need to have about prayer and how we approach prayer that we watch and we pray. And it involves, again, that there's skill, there's concentration, there's focus on this. And it's important that we understand this. There's so much going on in the world. Can you say amen on that? And there's, there's micro things and there's macro things. There's little things, there's huge things. There's things happening on the other side of the planet and there's things happening right in front of you. There's things across the sea and there's things down the street and there's things at your address that are happening that we must watch and pray. And not be sleepy and, and, and sloppy and just rambling or, or religious in our prayers because that's going to accomplish nothing. But how many of you know that prayer does accomplish things and prayer does, it does change things? Now, to watch and pray as our approach to prayer, that fortifies the whole concept and process of prayer. And it also, I think, rescues our concept of prayer and and our approach to prayer. It rescues that from our prayers being pale and ritual and powerless. There's nothing worse. You know, I have had occasions in my life where somebody would pray for me, and it's like, that did nothing. Can I pray for you? And there was just nothing. There was no fire in it. There was no truth in it. Well, there was truth, but truth has to have fire. You've got to have light and heat. Or you can have empty religious words and just no connection. And it's like you almost want to time out. Thanks for the prayer. You know, but when you get up one in the morning with your baby burning a fever, you can't pray that kind of prayer. When you're concerned about a situation, concerned about the nation, concerned about a loved one, or you get bad news, or you're dealing with something, you can't pray mamby-pamby, little pale, ritual, rambling kind of prayers. Because then when things do show up, you're, you're going to be ill-equipped. You're not, you're not going to be able to handle those things. And you're going to see because of this. And hear, hear me on this. And I'll say this several times. You don't need prayer. What you need is God. Amen. And prayer connects you with God. And that's why we've got to learn to pray in the right way so that we can connect. Don't get lost in just the whole process of prayer. And hearing ourselves pray. You don't need prayer. Prayer is not what we need. What we need is God. And prayer connects us with God. And that's why we've got to give some attention to prayer in our lives. Are you all here? Now, while 
we're talking about it being vigilant and watchful and intent and skillful and with concentration and wide awake and so forth. I am not talking about a militant, high-strung, hyper-prayer-pride approach. Um, I think sometimes people can get so caught up in what they're doing that they forget what they're doing. You know, they're so busy watching themselves doing something that they're not actually doing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, some people love to hear the sound of their own voice and don't realize what they're saying. You know, and, and aren't I something, and as they go along, then they forget, hey, we're supposed to be dealing with other people here. And so it's important that we don't lose track of what this is to be. It's not. It's not this works kind of thing, militant, hyper, whatever. And people should never get into prayer pride. Do you know what I mean by that? You should get me to pray on that. I'm a good prayer. That's like saying I'm, I'm a great pair of jumper cables. You know, it's, it's, you're just in between. It's the battery and the need, okay? And you're just kind of glorified wire, okay? So don't get caught up in, uh, I'm a really good prayer. Um, don't, get caught in, don't get in prayer pride. You know why that happened? Because I prayed. And I hear that, you know, from folks. Drop it. And realize that in some reading this week, I read this too, and I don't want to get off track with this, but he's the sound and we're the echo. And if there's no sound, there's no echo. And sometimes we get confused and we want to be the sound or we don't know that we're not the sound. And then there's no echo. It's all about him. I said it's all about him. What we need is him. We need God. And prayer helps us to connect to him. Amen. Now, so instead of this hyper whatever kind of prayer, I wrote this down. Instead, it should be this graceful, powerful balance between being helpless and skillful. Helpless, yet skillful. Humble, yet confident. At rest, and yet fully alert. And I think we arrive at that place as we watch and as we pray. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Paul says, I desire therefore that the men, everybody say, the men. I, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. Now, I took a few moments to do this last week. I'm going to take a few moments today, too. I want to talk to the men for just a few moments, okay? And it says, Paul says, it is right, is what he's saying. It's not just I wish for this. He said, it is right. This is what should happen, that the men should pray. And I think largely and historically, men in church have relegated prayer to women and children. And women know how to pray, I think because they have a greater propensity toward uh, spiritual end of themselves and emotional part of themselves. And men are being instructed by Scripture, and it is men. It's not just mankind because the, the following verses address women in particular on some other issues. Paul is speaking to the men, and he said, now I want men to pray. Men are to pray. Amen. I'll tell you again, men are to pray. And while I'm talking to men here just for a moment, we're launching uh, an endeavor, an initiative that God has put big on our hearts, big in our path. And I want to I invite and challenge every man to be a part of this. We have a men's ministry called High Call. And what, we're, what is our High Call? It's to be men of God. Amen. And it's to be men of God because the better the man, the better every other thing he's connected to is going to be. 
And typically a lot of the breakdowns in our culture, in our families, in our societies is because a man's not in the place that he should be. He's defining manhood in the wrong way. He's not conducting himself as a, as a man of God. So men, this is what we're doing. We are answering the call. I said we're answering the high call to be a man of God. And one of the things we're doing, we're launching next Sunday night. Next Sunday night, we're going to have a rally. I'm inviting all the men to be a part of it. But guys, I want you to do this though. Uh, that is the launch rally for groups, and we're going to have small groups. They're going to be meeting over the next six weeks, just four of those weeks in groups. So next Sunday night will be the rally. Then we'll have four weeks in groups. You say, well, I can't come to a group because I work here, I do this, do that. Hey, we got that all covered. We've taken away every excuse. We have groups all over the map, all all over the clock, all over the calendar, okay? And if you say, well, I get off at 2 o'clock, then we'll have a group at 2 o'clock that meets at the Waffle House led by Pastor Mike. (laughs) We appreciate the extra effort. Just four weeks in the groups, and then we're going to close out on Sunday night, November 11th, with a closing rally. celebrating what God has done and is closing out some things, making some commitments in our hearts. The Lord put in my heart these three things, and all three of these are life-changing. Get the men in a book, get the men in a group, and get the men on a project. And that's what we're going to do over those six weeks. The book is called Ordering Your Private World. I first read it when it first came out in 1984. It impacted my life. Pastor Bill Hybels of Willow Creek Church up near Chicago, Barrington, Illinois, he said, I shudder to think what my life would be like had I not read this book. And it's about ordering your private world, getting your private world, the underneath the surface world together. And it's been revised numerous times. That is the book that we're centering around. It's a life-changing book. We've got them for $7. You're not going to be able to find them unless you find a stolen one or something, okay? Uh, We ran out of them last week. We have um, over 400 guys signed up for groups at this point. And so we want to, to, guys, the rest of you get in on this. the books are available. Get the book. Then you need to get signed up, okay, for a group. You can do that online or at guest, uh, guest services out in, the, out in the lobby. They'll be taking care of that. Get them in in a group. Get them in on, in a book. And then we're going to do project. Each, each group then will find a project, some way they can be a blessing, fix something, do something around them. And uh, so I just wanted to take a few moments. This is not an advertisement. This is not an announcement. This is not a lovely autumn event for the fellas. This is something that God has called us to do. And I want to challenge every man, get the book, get in the group, and be with us next Sunday night get this thing launched, okay? Amen. Now, where were we? Watch and pray. Jesus gave us some real clues on how to begin prayer with a right perspective in the Lord's Prayer. And we looked at this in depth a couple of weeks ago. Let me just read here from Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Jesus said, in this manner, therefore pray. What he's saying is, pray like this. Pray like this. And he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then at the end of that, in the end of verse 13, he says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And what he's doing right there, notice that the bulk of this model prayer, this is not a prayer you just do in verbatim here. This is a model prayer. It's a template. Make sure that you at least include these things in prayer is what he was saying. And there's an order to some things. But notice that the bulk of it is all about God. Amen. Notice that the bulk of it is he's, he's God, heaven, king, glory, power, forever, like eternity, forever. 
And then there's a little bit about, you know, some daily bread and taking care of stuff and helping me to forgive folks and forgive me. But the big thing here, and first and foremost, is the focus of this. And let me just say this to you, because we're going to hit this several times this morning. Our first focus is up. Everybody say, first focus focus. is what? It's up. It's got to be up. The first focus is, is up. And God is not just friend and shepherd and guide and helper. He's Lord. Are y'all here? He's Lord. I love the way worship team this morning, none of it this morning was really about, you know, if you had a bad day and Jesus take the wheel and, or whatever. Don't do that one, by the way. Anyway. However, I do sing that one in my car if it comes on, but pretty good too, I might add, but, um, but it's not about that. It's the Lord, the Lord. And the Lord is just by definition is owner, ruler, master, superior, self-existent, eternal one. He's almighty. He's incredible. Uh, We drew this out last week that our first focus is up. First focus is up. And that is about the Lord. And the Lord is my what? Is my shepherd. But here's typically how we do it. Oh, Lord, help me with my homework. And to get a parking space at the movies. And they'll honor my coupon. And I can get more friends. And get rid of my old ones. And have a good hair day. Wish I had more hair. And just, you know. And that, and that's the way a lot of people pray. When instead, if you just crank it up this way and declare holy, holy, holy. And I like this too. Omni, omni, omni. Omnipotent, all-powerful. Omniscient, all-knowing. Omnipresent, everywhere present at once. Eternal, king, God, creator, redeemer. I can't even describe it. Matter of fact, I was trying to describe him. So, and I started my list, and I thought, wait, I got something that will help us better than my list. Guys, go ahead and roll this real quick. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of Lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know it? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. 
He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. Yes, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my king. That's my king. Uh, wish I'd said that. You, you can be seated. Hey, our first focus has got to be up. It's about the Lord is my shepherd. That's Dr. S.M. Rockledge. Uh, Lockridge. Uh, he delivered that message in 1976. It's a, just a classic, and it's been reworked in music and graphics added to it. Um, we'll have a link for that if you want to get that um, on our web and, and all the different ways, because that'd be a good way to crank up your day. <laughs> or, or if you're like dragging your tail a little bit about, they didn't honor my coupon or whatever, whatever, whatever your deal is that you could. Let's look at this just real quick too. God's not a vending machine. He's not this holy cosmic vending machine. I think I want this. I think I need this. I think I want this. I think this. You know what? You're going to find all those things will just fade as we focus in on just how holy and how awesome. Are you all hearing me on this? David, the psalmist, even, even hit this here in Psalm 103. Notice. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, 
And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Then and secondarily, forget not all his benefits. So it's like first things first. And then in Psalm 121, verse 2, verse 1 and 2, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And that always strikes me. If he made heaven and earth, he can help your deal. So our first focus must be up. Our first focus must be up. Can you say amen? amen. How many of you believe in miracles? Okay, we live by blessing, okay? You live by obedience and blessing. Don't live, I'm waiting for a miracle, okay? Thank God for miracles. Well, you're about to see a miracle happen, okay? Because I'm gonna give you seven points real quick in just a few minutes. That's a miracle. As I wrap this up on Watch and Pray, I need to give you seven uh, factors, elements, ingredients that must be in prayer, okay? And I'm gonna give these to you real quick and we'll back these up and then we'll be on, be on our way. Our, our focus must be up first. But let me give these to you real quick. They'll be on the screen. They'll also be available on the Echo. How many of you know what the Echo is? Echo is, um, and you can subscribe for free for that, and, the, and you'll get an email with all, this, all the sermon notes and all of the scriptures and all of that comes to you. And it'd be a good way so you can go back over things in the week uh, and learn to chew our food, so to speak. The first thing is this, pray to the Father. Pray to the Father. Uh, address this thing right. Pray to the Father. He's your heavenly Father. He knows what things you have need of even before you ask. And it is your Father's good pleasure to give to you and to give, uh, give you the kingdom. Jesus modeled it in the Lord's Prayer. He said, pray like this. Our Father, Jesus himself, if you look at his prayers, he said, he, he always prayed to his Father. And then in John 16, 23, Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. So very clearly, we start out, we pray to the Father. Springing off of that verse there, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. The second thing is this, pray in Jesus' name. Pray in Jesus. Everybody say that. Pray in Jesus' name. And this is vital. The, the Father's on the throne and seated at the right hand of the Father is Jesus. Whoever lives to make intercession for you, which really means this, Jesus opens up the mail. So it's addressed to the Father, care of Jesus, my Savior. He's sitting there and he's opening up the mail. It goes to him. He's the key. He's your connection with the Father. He's the one who made that new and living way. He's your advocate with the Father. He's the one interceding, representing you in front of the Father. Send it to Jesus. It will get to the Father. And use the name of Jesus. All power is in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is above every name that is named. In our culture today, there's a God tolerance, but there's not a Jesus tolerance. Anybody can receive their award and say, and God bless America, and everybody's okay. But you start saying, Jesus helped me to do this. Take us to a commercial real, real quick. Because the difference is in the name of Jesus, okay? The power is in the name of Jesus. So when you pray, use the name of Jesus. Say the name of Jesus. Don't just mumble some kind of prayer, lock this thing down. I'm praying to my heavenly Father in the name of Jesus. And don't, don't do this stuff. This is a trick, y'all, that you get lulled into. And in thy holy name, holy son's most wonderful name. Don't describe it, use it. In the name of Jesus. I open prayer with it. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. 
During the prayer, several times, I'm I'm sure that I say, in Jesus' name, and I always close it out in Jesus' name. Why? Because I want to make sure the right address is on there and we we get this thing. And the power is in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thirdly, give thanks. Everybody say, give thanks. Um, It just goes with prayer. Philippians 4, 6, Colossians 4, 2. It's all over the place. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Um, Just all over the place that we're to give thanks combined with prayer. Faith actually says, thank you. And it's part of it. And, and, and here's my thoughts too. Given how good God has been to you, has God been good to you? How many of you, he, he has been, how many of you, he's been good to you now? How, about, how you expect that he will be good to you? Then listen to me, look at me. I think it is totally inappropriate. Matter of fact, I think it's rude to even talk to God without thanking him for a couple of things. Well, I don't know. I don't have much to thank him about. And you are confused. You are confused, and you need to stop and slow down and thank him for some things. Thank him for some, some things. And again, faith says thank you. In Psalm 100, verse 4 in the Message Bible, it says this, enter with the password, thank you. That's the password. Number four, pray in line with God's word. Pray in line with God's word. Hey, for every problem, there is a promise. The word of God, and I'm not discrediting, I'm not minimizing the word of God. The word of God is like the menu. And don't order stuff that's not on the menu. Lord, I pray that you help me uh, rob the bank this week. And, you know, there's just some things that are not on the menu. He's not going to help you with. Help me, Lord, as I do this thing. I know it's wrong, but I ask that you help me not get caught. And you give me a little extra money, too. You know, that's not going to happen. Are you, are you, are you, are you all with me? It's amazing what some people pray. And first, in uh, 1 John 5. Verse 14 and 15, it says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask or pray anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have or we receive the petitions that we have asked of him. So pray in line with God's word. Number five, pray in faith. Pray in faith. Matthew 21, 22 says, whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. And if you're praying in line with his word, then you're checking out his promises, and the promises in the word are going to build faith for you. Plus, if your focus is first up, that's going to build your faith, because you know that you're praying to somebody who can actually do something about what you're praying about, has already said something, has already provided for it. Jesus has already done the work for it. And what you need is not prayer. What you need is God. And prayer connects you, but you've got to do it in faith, believing. Believing. Believing that God hears you. Believe that God is able to do what he's promised for you. And even hard cases, pray in faith. You know, don't go and pray for somebody and go, wow, you look bad. I don't even know what to pray for you. Hey, I don't care what it is, pray. Well, what if they die? Well, then die in faith. What if I pray for this and it, and it fails? Then fail in faith. Rather than just fail or rather than just die, at least go down doing your best. I'm, I'm trusting God. I'm believing God. And God will honor that in your life. But always pray in faith. And then be real. Be real. Simple, heartfelt, not put on. Don't pray in a fake voice. How many of y'all ever heard that before? I remember as a kid, you know, sometimes 
church gathering or whatever. And everybody, come on, children, we're going to gather around. Everybody, we're going to pray before the food. Okay, all right, ready? Dear Heavenly Father. It's like, oh, gosh, what happened to them? And that's why as you're growing up, then they go, would you say the prayer? No. So you don't want that to happen to you. What if it sticks? Don't put on. Jesus said, don't pray like the pretenders. Don't pray like hypocrites. You're not heard for your much speaking. It's just simple. It's just heartfelt. It's just connecting with God in prayer. And don't get into ruts. Let me meddle just for a minute. Some people say hallelujah and Father God so many times in prayer that they don't ever pray about anything. Hallelujah, Father God. I thank you, Father God. Hallelujah, Father Father God. Hallelujah, Father God. You know. Years ago, honestly, I was praying with a guy, and I said, "You go ahead and pray." And he, Father God, 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 Father God. He didn't even he didn't even know what he was saying. Finally, I just timed him out. Hey, man. Cut it out. you got to remember that you're talking to the great someone. Listen to yourself and what you're saying and approach it in the right way. And, and I know you love God and I know and you, want, you believe in prayer and all that, but simmer down and listen to yourself. And tell me, hallelujah, Father God, Father God, hallelujah. And, and, and you may have your other pet phrases that you do. Simmer down, comb that out. And just get simple and heartfelt and real, real before an awesome God who's going to hear you. I'm just convinced sometimes he turns to his angels and goes, what's going on? Especially when you change your voice. That's not the voice I gave him. And, and, and watch your tone and your inflections. We're not trying to work ourselves up into something. We're not working. We're connecting. Years ago, we had a number of prayer groups in the church and stuff, and I walked past one, and these ladies were praying for their husbands. And the lady that was leading must have been having husband problems. (laughs) Oh, God, and my husband! She wasn't praying. She's doing everything she could to not cuss. All right, I got to finish, y'all. Cut it out. Number seven. Assume the New Testament prayer posture. New Testament prayer posture. We read it earlier in 1 Timothy 2.8. Paul said, I wish that you would pray. Men would pray everywhere. Everybody pray everywhere. Lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. It's uplifted hands. And listen, it's not so much the uplifted hands because you can't do that the whole time. Can you imagine if that's the only way you could pray? You know, those who pray any more than just a few minutes, you know, we'd be the most buff people around. (laughs) You've been working out? No, I just pray. Come here, let me pray for you. 
Ladies, too. No, it's not so much this, although I recommend that. I'm telling you what, there's some mornings when I get up and I'm not feeling anything. And you just take that moment and you start to just direct it to the Lord and just lift up your hands all by yourself. I tell you what, God likes that. But more than that, it is that you lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. You have things assault you all day long. You have people upset you all day long. And you've got to come before a holy God who has forgiven you of so much and say, I let them go. Yeah, they upset me. Yeah, they did that. Yeah, they disappointed me. Yeah, they rejected. They betrayed. They did whatever. But I can afford to forgive because I've been forgiven. I forgive. No wrath and no doubting. I'm not going to doubt you. I trust you. And both of those things, wrath and doubting, will choke prayer. Get them out of the way. Get them out of the way and get before our holy God and pray. It's not prayer that you need. It's God that you need. And prayer connects us with him. This whole idea of watch and pray is a perspective and approach to prayer. It protects the whole process of prayer so that we don't end up with pale, ritual, powerless prayers, but instead we have a prayer life that is powerful and effective. Not sloppy, not sleepy, not just rambling, but it makes sense. It's got some skill involved. It's got a lot of humility involved, and it connects with an incredible God. And let me remind you, it's the Lord that is my shepherd. And I assure you, the more focus you make this way, the less you're going to have to focus on these little things because the Lord is my shepherd. Let's make sure as we watch and pray that our first focus is up. Amen? Did you get anything at all out of this today?